So what I do when I feel anxious in order to lean into it. So let's say before I have um, a speaking engagement, so if I'm talking to a, a company or doing like a corporate session or even before I'm coming on a podcast, I get anxious, right? I get nervous. So what I do is I put my hand on my heart and I say to myself, you know, what you're doing right now is courageous. You're being brave. You're showing up. And that's really hard to do. And it's uncomfortable to put yourself out there. And so it's okay that you feel this way. It's okay that you feel anxious right now. It sucks to feel this way, but it's okay. It's going to pass. There is a depth and a breadth to our lives that largely goes unexplored. As an equestrian life mindset coach and host of this podcast, I am here to lead you on that exploration deep conversations covering topics in and out of the show ring with industry leaders and unsung heroes alike sharing their stories and what makes their journey unique but relatable at the same time. We all have stories to share and lessons to trade, something we've learned from a horse or from each other. So relax and be ready to listen with more than just your ears. I'm Tracy Mitchell. Welcome to Hitting Your Stride. The 2023 show season is about to begin, and among the preparation, goal setting, excitement, and anticipation, there are bound to be some moments that feel like they are just on the other side of being productive and beneficial. It's that space where some feelings of being overwhelmed and gripped with anxiety that stem from the expectations you set, and for those high-level achievers, it's those perfectionist tendencies that may start to rear their ugly heads. Heather Lillico joins me today and brings her expertise on dealing with anxiety, mental wellness, and nutrition to hitting your stride. A holistic nutritionist, meditation, and yoga teacher, Heather works with companies on their corporate wellness while also taking her own journey with anxiety one day at a time. She's here to share with everyone her tips and techniques on dealing with anxiety and how to manage it within what could be a stressful show season, along with some well-rooted nutritional advice. Trust me when I tell you there is a lot to take in from Heather's knowledge and lived experience. She does so in such a way that makes sense and brings the scope of the anxiety issue down to a manageable size. Hitting Your Stride hasn't just been about life in and out of the show ring. I've hoped that all of you have listened and found paths to your own self-development along the way through the stories and experiences others have shared with me here. Heather's personal accounts of dealing with anxiety show us it can be managed, but we see that by educating herself in nutrition and other areas, it wasn't just about fighting the condition or struggling to reach the end result. As with most things, how you approach it is all about your mindset. One of the biggest things that stood out to me in our conversation was that mindset is a choice. And Heather said that learning to deal with anxiety has less to do with being at war with it and more just about understanding it. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. This was a, a real biggie for me, and Heather is amazing and expresses herself so well. So please welcome Heather Lillico to Hitting Your Stride. 
All right, everybody. Well, thank you very much for tuning back into Hitting Your Stride. And today I have with me Heather Lillico. Welcome to Hitting Your Stride, Heather. Oh, thanks, Tracy. Happy to be here. Well, this is awesome. I, I know this is an equestrian podcast and I love having fellow equestrians on and share their stories, but I also like bringing in people that don't necessarily have equestrian experience in their, in their, what do you call it, their book or whatever you want to call it, but you have a lot of interesting things. I think that equestrians in their busy life and planning for the upcoming show season could really benefit them. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of commonalities with the people that I tend to work with and then also with the people who are in the equestrian show world. I think there's going to be a lot of things that translate over. Okay, awesome. So let's get started. Let's start off by hearing a little bit about who Heather Lillico is. I know you're a holistic nutritionist as well as a meditation and yoga teacher, um, and you focus on anxiety and burnout. But how did you get into this line of work? What inspired you to take this path? So I think like a lot of people who work in the wellness and mental health world, I got into it through my own uh, experience with mental health issues. So I started having anxiety and panic attacks when I was in university and it sort of exploded at that time. But if I think back, I, th I think there was a lot that set me up for it. So I was always kind of a nervous kid. I was very sensitive. I was an empath. I could pick up on the emotions of others very readily. I knew when someone was upset, like before they even said anything, I was a perfectionist. I had to get top marks and I was an overachiever. I was constantly overscheduling myself. I had my time full of sports, holding down a part-time job, you know, getting together with friends and all of that was kind of a perfect storm to lead me to develop anxiety. And it sort of got to the point in university where I was so overwhelmed. I was so on edge all the time that I knew something needed to change. And I wanted to take a sort of a more natural approach to do it. So I started off by addressing my diet. I removed a couple things that I thought maybe were causing me to feel more stressed. Caffeine was a big one. Mm. I went mostly whole foods, plant-based, and I started to see a pretty big change. I noticed I felt calmer and along with anxiety, I was experiencing a lot of IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. And turns out those two go hand in hand. So I started to see improvements there, but I still felt like there was kind of a missing piece of the puzzle. And I felt like I had a million thoughts still, and I was still kind of stuck in spiraling and worrying. And so that's where meditation came in. And for me, those were really the two pieces of the puzzle. It was changing my diet and learning how to meditate properly and marrying these two together, that seemed to be the, the combo for me that worked. And I thought, how incredible is this, that we have these things at our disposal, at our disposal, these natural ways to improve our mood. And I got to share this with people. So that's really why I got into this line of work is looking to develop a system for people that help them feel more in control of their thoughts and their life and manage these intense emotions like anxiety. And so it's not getting to the point where we're feeling burnt out. What I think is amazing is that you did, like, you came to that conclusion yourself. 
right? Like you were able to step outside of yourself long enough going, okay, this needs to change to better self, better set myself up for the the goals I have, the things I want to achieve, because the way things are going and the way I'm operating right now isn't working for me. Um, Did you go to look for like professional help, like seeking counseling or anything on top of this? Or were you able to work your brain around it yourself? You know, I I sort of started playing around with things on my own. And then, because for a lot of us, I think we almost have to hit that rock bottom point of saying, I simply cannot live the rest of my life like this. Like I thought, I'm I'm just not going to make it if this is how I have to live my life. So anxious. It's not, it's not going to be worth it for me. So for me, that was really the tipping point of something needs to change. And I first started with like, what can I do? I want to take some personal responsibility here, some agency over my life. So I started with, you know, a couple of tweaks, but then I certainly did hook in with uh, a counselor in university and then ended up working with a therapist um, after I graduated and was working with them for a number of years. Uh, And that certainly helped along the journey as well to really just like process and unpack some of the patterns that I had learned and, uh, and work through trauma in that way. Uh, so it really was a holistic approach that helped me. Wow. That's awesome. All right. So as you mentioned, you first experienced anxiety when you were in university and by your accounts, it was nearly debilitating. Now you run your own business and seem very confident. How are you able to turn things in a complete 180? Well, let me say that I'm, I'm still a work in progress. Like I, you know, exactly. like we all are, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely still a work in progress. But I think one of the major things that has helped me is to really change my mindset with anxiety. So I spent a lot of time being at war with anxiety and feeling like I I hate feeling this way. I don't want to feel this way. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing wrong. Why am I feeling this way? And so I was really negating a lot of what was coming up. And afterwards, you know, after a period of anxiety, after about worrying and going to that worst case scenario, I would, I would often say like, what a waste of time. Like I just wasted so much time worrying. And then a lot of guilt and shame would come with that. So I really had to understand where anxiety was coming from. And the reality was that, you know, even though I wasn't in physical danger, I was still getting some sort of alarm bell. And that's what anxiety is. It's your body telling you, we think there's danger right now. And It wasn't physical danger, but it was an emotional type of danger. So for me, anxiety would come up a lot when I felt like I was scared of being rejected. So if someone didn't text me back and I was left wondering, like, what's going on? Do they not want to be my friend anymore? That was triggering for anxiety or also a fear of judgment. So if I got an email from a colleague or a boss or someone and saying, you know, I need to see you, I need to talk to you. It was like immediate zero to 100 worst case scenario. And it was these sort of emotional dangers, I call them, um, a a fear of judgment, a fear of being rejected or left alone. That for me was, was triggering the anxiety. So when I understood that's what it was coming from, I could soften into a, a little bit. So while I didn't enjoy the experience of anxiety, I hated the heart beating fast, the palms getting sweaty, right? The discomfort of all of that. I could offer a little bit of respect that my body was trying to protect me. My body was saying, hey, I think you're in danger right now. So I'm going to help you be on alert and keep you safe. Like that really is the purpose of anxiety to help 
keep you safe. So when I learned how to create safety in my nervous system and in my body, then I could change how I experienced anxiety. And we can do that. We can create a feeling of safety in the body and the nervous system by supporting the body with incredible foods. And we can also do it with meditation techniques that calm us down. And that's really what I leaned heavily into in my, in my journey here. Wow. Okay. So as you were speaking, there were so many things there. Um, (laughs) The one thing, and I love, I love the mindset of going, okay, let's not be at war with anxiety. Let's look at this and go and understand what it is, where it comes from, and then try to work with it. So I'm thinking of all the people that are preparing for show season. And I know like some of my coaching clients deal with some anxiety, but generally like when I'm going around to barns and massaging these horses, I hear these conversations and I've known some of my clients long enough that I know that they get that they're all perfectionists. They want to do really well. There's a level of expectation placed on them. But what's interesting is that I think we're all drawn to the horses because there's something healing about them. But the Uh, ironic part of it is, is that the position we place or the position that these athletes at varying levels, right? But everybody's an athlete. The position they're placing themselves in is what breeds that trigger of anxiety, like that pressure of going into the ring and performing and, you know, doing it well, or like people want, there's so many parts of it. Do you have any thoughts to, and we might touch on this a little bit later is like how to handle some of these things, but isn't it an interesting concept as far as we're drawn to them for healing and yet we do this stressful thing? <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it's such an interesting pattern that you mentioned because what we see is people who are overachievers, they're going to be drawn to things that are high pressure situations, right? They're not taking their foot off the gas pedal because they don't know how to relax. And so- ah. And they end up doing these types of activities where there is like intense competition and pressure because that's really what they're used to. And for, you know, for a lot of us growing up as perfectionists, it, there is that mentality of like, do more, be better, right? If I go, 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 if I, if I just reach that next achievement, then I'll be happy. And so we keep reaching, reaching, reaching. And then, you know, where do we end up? Like, where does it end? There really is no end when it comes to perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, we'll talk about this, but it comes up for me right now is the aspect of the culture. Um, you know, okay, great. Like, exactly like you said, you've achieved this now, but it's like, yes, I've achieved it. But now what? Now I want to go, you know, now we're going to go from the hunters to the jumpers and I'm going to up the height I'm jumping and we're going to do more shows and, you know, we're all of that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just crazy because it's part of who we are, but it's all how, is it part of how you deal with the anxiety too, by wanting to achieve or are those two different things? What I see in overachievers is that being busy is a coping mechanism because we don't want to stop and evaluate and think about what's going on. And we don't know how to relax. And I say we, because I fall into this category as well, is that so do I. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the club. I know, it's great. 
So we, you know, if we don't know how to relax, then we overschedule, we fill our time, we do another show, we fit in more lessons, we, we just expand, 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 because then we don't have to sit and really just be with ourselves and be with the emotions of maybe of anxiety, of feeling unfulfilled, of feeling like we haven't reached our goal or we're really looking outside of ourselves, you know, thinking that the next ribbon, the next medal, that's what's going to get me happiness. And so this is why we set like bigger and bigger goals. And I'm not saying we shouldn't goal set and dream right. big, but yep. we have to really go, you, you know, we really have to think about like, why do I want to do this thing? What do I think it's going to offer me that I don't already have? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Love that. Now you'd already mentioned this and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, but talking about foods that support the mood, your mood. Um, I know during the show season, people are living in conditions that are less than ideal for prepping a healthy meal. Um, but what foods can you suggest that are going to help people feel nourished and energized throughout the day? And, and, you know, for all of my listeners, most of them, they understand that if we're looking at a two week cycle at one show, I mean, I'm hearing more and more people going, yep, we've got ourselves a, a camper, we've got ourselves a trailer, and we're hooking up, you know, at the show. So they're there all the time. I'm, you know, there are nice little kitchens in those things. But still, it, it's this busy, hectic lifestyle. Um, so what kind of ideas can you help us with food? Yeah, such an interesting atmosphere, right, to think about how can we nourish and support ourselves during this intense time. So, I mean, real whole foods are gonna be your best bet for supporting your mood. So I'm talking about antioxidant rich foods like berries, for example, if you have a fridge in your trailer, amazing. You have some pre-washed berries that you're keeping in a Tupperware for grab and go whenever you need, or something that you're you know, prepping in advance and bringing with you to the shows that you're doing. You can also buy pre-cut vegetables and then have those and maybe a tub of hummus that you're keeping in the fridge as well. So anything that's like easy to grab and as close to as natural state as possible. Okay. Um, or even, you know, fruits like apple, banana, something really easy. Uh, a handful of nuts works well. And I want to plug seeds here because seeds are nutrition powerhouses. So I'm talking about pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds. They are a great source of protein. So they're going to keep your blood sugar stable. They have magnesium, which helps you feel calm. They also have good healthy fats, which is good for your blood sugar as well. And for your brain health, your brain is mostly made up of fat. So we can support it that way. And one tip that I give to most clients is to travel around with a little packet of hemp seeds. Hemp seeds are probably my favorite seed because they're so versatile. So if you are purchasing something out, let's say you have a burrito or a stir fry or a sandwich, you can sprinkle hemp seeds on them. You're really not going to taste it a ton. And it's just going to elevate the wow. nutrition that you have from, from that dish, that food. So really, uh, really easy on the go. And I think we got to talk about gut health too, because oh, it's huge. It's huge. The gut is the second brain, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And when it comes to mood, your gut is so important. So you have a couple kilograms worth of bacteria in your gut and over a hundred trillion different bacteria. So lots and lots and lots of, of, of these guys. And 
they do so many things for you. So they help you balance your blood sugar. That keeps you energized throughout the long days. They help with your immune system. That's going to keep you healthy during the show season. They also make a lot of your mood boosting neurotransmitters. So when we're talking about feeling calm, feeling happy, feeling motivated, we got to support the bacteria in the gut. How do we do that? With things like fermented foods. So if you have a fridge in your trailer, throw in some kombucha in there, a fermented tea beverage. You can have yogurt in there that you're having as a snack. You can have kefir, another fermented drink. Um, even something like sauerkraut, I will travel around with if I have a fridge and throw it on anything. <laughs> okay. Nice, fun one to work in. So we want to be thinking about supporting the gut in that way. And then we support them with live bacteria, which comes from fermented foods, and then also supporting with prebiotic foods. So these are your nuts, your seeds, your whole grains, your uh, berries and vegetables. That's going to feed the bacteria in the gut. So that gives people a sense of, you know, a couple of foods that they can throw in. Uh, one thing I do when I'm traveling a lot is I will make during the week some energy balls. So I'll make uh, a little mix of peanut butter, oats, dates, and hemp seeds usually. And then that rolled up into nice. a ball. Then you can just like on the go between between events, grab that, you know, or this might be the time too, where we're buying like a pre-package, like a Lara bar or a kind bar or iron vegan. One of my favorite brands, they have a high protein, uh, decently natural bar. So grabbing that on the go, because one of the main things we got to think about is, is not just what you eat, but it's also how you eat. We want to be having consistent meals throughout the day. And I imagine that's a tricky part in this industry is to make sure that people are getting fueled throughout the day, right? You might get up and it's so busy that you're forgetting to eat or you're feeling like you don't have time. And we want to keep the blood sugar stable throughout the day because when our blood sugar dips, that can cause anxiety and it can cause our nervous system to start to fire and go into that fight or flight mode. So yeah. one easy thing I tell people is to eat you know, your, your meals throughout the day, but then before you eat, get into a calm, quiet nervous system space. So taking three deep belly breaths before you eat, that's going to help switch your nervous system over and then help make sure you actually digest the food that you're eating. Okay. So when you'd mentioned the apples and the bananas, I'm sure some of my listeners are going, I know what Tracy's going to say here, because <laughs> nine times out of 10, guess who gets the apples and the bananas? the horses. And, uh -huh. <laughs> and a lot of the time at the, the show barns. So, you know, each barn will have a set of stalls of their own. There might actually, there's hydro. So they might actually have a little fridge and, you know, they've, and I can guarantee you those, um, unless horses are allergic to dates or something, I bet you the horses would love the energy balls too. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, is that whole time. So in some of these cases, when I'm at these barns and I just, I have so many amazing clients and as I'm massaging away and I'm listening, mostly young women talking about how they're going to like eat healthy and they're going to like drink more water and they're going to do all this stuff. Well, I listened to this conversation probably a couple months ago and I was trying, I was just keeping to myself giggling, going, holy cow girls, just like settle down a little bit baby steps right so you know because then things are more easily achievable you know yes drinking more water being aware of that but then 
yes, like set yourself up with one or two things, correct? That they know that they can just start that slow habit forming awareness of what they're eating. Yes, you're so right. I mean, this is the thing with overachieving perfectionists is it's either all or it's nothing. Like there is no in between. And so I'll get clients who say, okay, Heather, I'm going to meditate every single day for 30 minutes. I'm going to run 10 K and then I'm going to, you know, do this other activity and do this training. And I'm like, just choose one thing. Let's start small. And you're so right. This is how we form healthy habits is first we go for consistency and then we can start to build and build, you know, longer duration, more habits, add them in. But first we, we have to get that tiny little habit in place, whether that's you bringing in berries when you've never had them at all. And that's your one thing that you're going to start with, or it's you traveling around with a packet of hemp seeds and sprinkling them on whatever you can, yeah. like w- one tiny thing. And then it gets easier and easier and easier. And we can start to add more in. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so much more there we could talk about. We'll probably cover it a little bit later, but like, as far as the, the timing and the amount uh, like how long these days can go at horse shows. And then yes, like some, some individuals are riding seven, eight horses in a day and, you know, wow. others might be just riding one or two, but, you know, still for them, that's a lot. So how do you, you manage all this? And I think it's so key that I have to say, you know, all the years going to horse shows, I've talked to grooms who are some of the hardest working, like they are the hardest working people out there. They're the ones that are helping the, the riders like day go smoothly. And oftentimes they'll admit, oh, I haven't had anything to eat yet. And it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. Like there's a lot of pressure and it's go, 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 but we've got to learn to take that time. Like you said, from the beginning and just start implementing these little things that can literally change your life. Yeah. And this is a mindset shift that I think a lot of us need to adopt is that self-care sometimes seems like another thing on the to-do list. And it's pretty low down on the to-do list. If we're being honest, the the reframe that I like to have is that self-care is not another thing on your to-do list. It is a necessary part of your life. If we're looking at a house, it is not frilly hanging flower baskets on the porch, it is the foundation of your house. Mm, That is the part that we need to address first. When we get the foundation of the house strong, then we can build up, we can build up floors, we can build a mansion if we want, but we have to focus on the foundation first. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so if food is food, the only way for people to get nutrients they need during show season, or would supplements be a good fit right now for some? I think there's a time and place for, for supplements. And I think it is during a show season where people are experiencing an extraordinarily amount, extraordinary amount of pressure and, uh, and a busy schedule because while food is a wonderful source, you know, if, if we simply don't have the time or we're not making the time to make those healthy options, then maybe we need to think about supporting ourselves with some extra nutrients. So I'm going to share with you my top four supplements that I use with people who have anxiety or experiencing stress or burnout. So one is magnesium. Magnesium is, we call it like the wonder mineral. It is a calming mineral. It's involved in over 300 reactions in the body, a lot of them being to do with um, your mood. And it helps promote something called GABA, which is your brain's relaxing neurotransmitter. And so magnesium uh, can also be helpful for muscle cramps. So I'm thinking it could be helpful for these athletes as well. 
who are probably on a horse for many hours. Yep. Yeah. So with magnesium, uh, we want to take it generally before bed. And I usually recommend a magnesium glycinate or magnesium bisglycinate formula. It's highly absorbed and uh, it, it works great in the brain specifically. So it can be helpful for anxiety and for mood. Okay. So magnesium is like number one. I recommend that to, to almost everybody. And most of us are deficient in magnesium as well. The second one is taking a B complex. So your B vitamins are like your energy vitamins. And when you feel stressed, you burn through them. A lot of them are also involved in creating your neurotransmitters that help you feel happy and good. So getting on a B complex supplement, usually in the morning, we take that because it's more of an energizing one. That can be very helpful. The third one is a probiotic. So remember, we talked about gut health and the importance of that. A probiotic is going to provide live bacteria for you that's going to support the bacteria in the gut, which remember, make a lot of your mood boosting neurotransmitters. Okay. So usually for probiotic, if someone has never taken one before, they, I'd like to say start low, go slow. Because if you take too many, uh, uh, one with too many bacteria in it, it can cause tummy upset. And that's probably not a good thing to have on a horse, right? right. So we want to start with a low amount. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's avoid that. So usually around 10 billion to start and then working your way up to around 50 billion, that's going to support the gut. Now, what's the best time to take that? Because can I just share with you, because I take a probiotic, but I've take I take mine in the morning because I felt when I was taking mine at night, when I first started, I had a hard time sleeping. Is there any correlation to that? Interesting. So with a probiotic, there's I mean, of course, there's individual variation. I generally recommend people take it in the morning. And typically, you'd want to take it about a half hour before a meal. So generally not taking it with breakfast, because then you're getting lots of stomach acid being produced when you're eating could kill off some of the bacteria. Now, most probiotics these days are enteric coated, meaning the actual supplement itself, the live bacteria can make it down through the digestive tract gotcha. fairly easily without being destroyed by stomach acid, but, uh, it, you know, might as well help it along. So usually I, yeah, I do recommend in the morning, according to traditional Chinese medicine, cause they say a probiotic is more of like a cooling supplement. They would recommend more towards the evening, but I think it's really a, like what works for you. The most important thing is when are you going to remember to take it? Because a supplement is only good if you remember to take it, right? Uh, yeah. So if in the morning is when you can remember, then do that. I personally don't believe it's one of those supplements that like magnesium, I would almost exclusively recommend in the evening because it is more calming and can be helpful for sleep. But I think with a probiotic, there is a lot of variation and really whenever you remember to take it is the best time. Okay. Now you also mentioned like an adaptogen for stress. So adaptogens are these really cool things that kind of, what do they do? They go in and figure out where they're meant best used. Yeah. Adaptogens are wild. So they're really a classification of herbs or mushrooms, these natural plants that support the body's resiliency response. So they do kind of work i don't i don't want to make them seem fantastical but they are a little bit magical in that they they sort of know where they're needed in the body they're a bit intuitive and they 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 go to where they're needed they usually affect hormones or um or nervous system so some of my favorite ones for 
Anxiety specifically uh, are something like rhodiola, which is a plant. Rhodiola has been shown to help burnout, to help with fatigue as well. So help people make it through those long days, help you feel more energized. I uh, take Haven Life's rhodiola relief formula, which is which is great one. Um, and another adaptogen is ashwagandha. Yeah. And have you heard that's, of that one before? That's one I take in a combination oh, yeah. with, I think cordyceps is involved. Oh yeah. And that's a mushroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the product is called resilient mind. I just feel like oh, it, yeah. is, like you said, the neurogenic part of it all. So I find it really helps. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The big links with ashwagandha and anxiety also some research showing that it can be helpful for insomnia mm -hmm. as well. And with adaptogens, the, the thing to be aware of is that they take a little bit of time to work. So it's not as if you take the supplement and then that day you would feel the effects of it. Usually they're more gentle in the body. So we see that they, they take a couple of weeks to work upwards of like four to six weeks. So it's something that, you know, you'd want to be thinking about now to really get it like layered in the body. And, and so that effectiveness kind of ramps up. And then what I noticed with, so I take uh, ashwagandha and what I noticed with it is that when I was in a situation that would maybe stress me out before and something silly, like let's say I would be in a, a pharmacy and I would be choosing what shampoo to buy. And I was like, too many options. Like my brain was <laughs> going to explode. And what if I choose the wrong one? And just these silly anxiety things coming up. I noticed that in those situations, when I would be taking ashwagandha, that I just felt more grounded. And I was like, okay, I can just choose. I'm not having a million thoughts about something like choosing shampoo. So you might start to notice it in, in, um, in situations where maybe anxiety would rise and you would be having doubts and you would be spiraling a little bit that the ashwagandha kind of levels that out. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. What about, um, fish oils? Okay. So fish oil. So I'm assuming you mean something like omega-3s. Yeah, all those important omega-3s. What about yeah. adding those into the system? Yes, definitely. So omega-3s can be helpful for mental health, for depression and anxiety. And you can get them from a fish source. You can also, so a little known thing about omega-3s is that pe people think it comes from fish, but the fish actually get it from plankton, which get it from algae. So algae is the OG source of omegas. And so they do have supplements that come straight from the algae itself, I believe the um, the main brand that makes it is called NutraVeg, and um, you can get an algae-based supplement. It does not taste like algae. It has natural <laughs> flavoring that's in it, so no worries there. Um, but research shows that omega threes can be helpful for depression and anxiety. And typically, when we're talking about depression or anxiety, the the reason why it's helping is because it's bringing down inflammation. And so inflammation in the brain makes us feel anxious and depressed. It makes us feel unhappy. So typically when you're looking for an omega-3 supplement, you want to go with a high EPA version because EPA is the one that is the most anti-inflammatory. So there's DHA, which is like the structure of our brain, but the EPA deals more with the inflammation, which means it's going to be more helpful for mental health. Okay. Awesome. And it sounds from all of those, plus, you know, a couple of extras that I take, I'm doing okay. With yeah, those, <laughs> with those supplements, they have a whole regimen in place, and yeah, it's, I mean exactly. it's helpful, you know, during show season for people to think about like ramping up, like what are they missing and what do they, what do they need? But I think for any time of year, like a lot of us, the reality is that for a lot of us, our diet is just suboptimal, right? Like a lot of us, you know, don't have the time to prep all these things, and 
just the nature of our food system is more processed these days. The nutrients from soil is depleting as well. So even if you're eating those fruits and veggies, they're not having as many high levels of nutrients as they did years ago because the yeah. soil is depleted of nutrients. So we maybe do need to think about supplementing and how we can support ourselves. Okay. And just to go back to the one thing you said a couple of questions ago regarding caffeine. So again, I'm not a fan. I will never drink one, even if it was to save my life, because I'm pretty sure it would kill me. But like the Red Bulls or the monster drinks or any <laughs> of those things, unfortunately, they're around a lot at horse shows or even at the barns where the grooms or the staff or whoever don't have time and they think, oh, I need a boost. Okay. So if you need to reduce your caffeine, that's one thing. But again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture their thought process during this. And until some of those foundational habits have been laid, right? So you've got that good foundation. What, what would you say to them? What would you say that would be like, okay, no, like instead of that drink, try such and such or, and I know it's probably the answer is eat properly, but I'm not sure that would work for them right away. What, what, is there anything you could answer to that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we can think about some alternatives. So, uh, as sort of a side note and lead into this, so there's a program that I run with companies called the Stress Loss Challenge, and it's a 30-day program, and the it's a holistic stress reduction program. And the first week of the program, I have people remove or reduce what I call stress escalators, so things that are making stress and anxiety worse, caffeine being one of them. And there is quite a bit of resistance that I get when people hear, like, you're going to take away my coffee, my morning coffee. So I do suggest some alternatives there. So we could be focusing on, let's say you're having, you know, five cups of coffee a day, as I have some clients, maybe you're just focusing on reducing it to four cups a day. Okay. So just bringing it down a little bit or some fantastic alternatives. So instead of coffee, you could do something like tea. Let's say even a black tea, a green tea still has caffeine in it. So you're still going to get the boost, but the caffeine amount is lower and in tea, we find something called theanine. And theanine is a compound that helps us feel alert, yet also relaxed. It's also been shown to reduce panic attacks. So, you know, sort of switching to something like that, if you don't want to go full herbal tea, um, some other fantastic alternatives would be like a mushroom coffee. So the brand Four Sigmatic is one of the big ones. They make some with coffee, but also with mushrooms. So for example, like lion's mane mushroom, we know helps focus reishi mushroom. They call it nature's Xanax because it helps us feel more relaxed. Um, they also have some that are caffeine free as well to try. So something like that. Um, personally, I'm, I'm not a caffeine girly because I will just have an immediate panic attack. Okay. But uh, what I do have in the morning is uh, dandy blends or, or dandelion root coffee and I'm doing air quotes here so it's not coffee doesn't have any caffeine in it but it um it, it is made of dandelion root and chicory root and so it does feel energizing and alert like if you had that towards the evening you would probably still stay up okay. um, but it doesn't have that sort of jolt and then crash that caffeine has because that's really what we're trying to avoid especially if someone is already feeling anxious yeah then their nervous system is already jacked up. We don't want to make that happen anymore. So we need something that is either caffeine free or lower caffeine or has like a slower 
kind of burn to it. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. All right. So equestrian athletes find a way to function in their own self-contained world during show season, but that makes it harder for them to deal with the anxieties and pressures that come up. For someone who thinks that world is normal, how do you help them normalize finding outlets for their self-imposed pressures and the anxiety that can quickly build up for them? It's a great question. <laughs> so there's, there's something I use with clients called the AIM framework, A-I-M. And this is where we get really clear on what it is that we can do, what it is that's reasonable for us right now, you know, during this sort of self-contained world. So the A in AIM sounds for acceptable minimum. So identifying what is the acceptable minimum that I could do for my self-care that I would be okay with. So maybe right now the acceptable minimum is that I'm taking three deep breaths before every meal. Right now, that's all I have time for and, and that's gonna have to be enough. Or maybe you're going further. The I in it is for intermediate. What's an intermediate step, a kind of a step up from that. So maybe it's, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do the three breaths and I'm also gonna prep one healthy meal option every week, or I'm gonna do the three breaths and I'm also gonna carry around my hemp seeds with me and have a handful of pumpkin seeds every day. Okay. And then if that feels like, yeah, you know what, I could do that, I could do more, then we go for M, we identify the maximum. So what is the maximum amount, uh, amount that you can do? So maybe that's, I'm gonna meditate every day with a, a guided meditation with an app. I'm gonna have a healthy snack every day. I'm gonna do some yoga or stretching after I ride. So when you get kind of clear on those three levels, it really helps you identify like what is reasonable for you during this time. Because, you know, in that, those, the overachievers, the tendency is to want to go for everything, right? Like I'm going to do it all. When we don't hit that goal, we feel guilt. We feel shame. We spiral. We end up doing nothing for ourselves. So just like we talked about before with building healthy habits, the consistency is key. So if right now the acceptable minimum is what you can work in, amazing. You're getting your check every day and doing that, you feel good. You build confidence with it and then you can go further. Then maybe you step up to the I, to the M. You don't have to, but it at least gives us like a bit of a framework to work with, to understand what do I, what do I need right now? I love that. I, <laughs> I think I'm cool. Yeah. And it's so simple and it, it allows, it gives you that grace of not putting that pressure on yourself and those perfectionists. And I'm part of that club. It's like, absolutely. Let's just pick a couple of things. And I'm telling you, I've been working a lot on myself too. And I mean, this process of the podcast and like busy with everything, it's been amazing. And it has, it's put more focused on the fact that I need to do this as much for myself as I am learning and how to share with my clients. So that in itself is just really cool. I, I love that. And, and I'm going, you know what, Mitchell, good job. You did this today and you're doing this consistently because it is so easy. If we, if we miss that one day, then all of a sudden, oh, well, I'm done. You know, yeah. I've got to start all over again. And on one of my podcasts, I had a guest who's a personal trainer 
and he's brilliant. And he's like, yeah, just because one tire is flat doesn't mean you go around and pop the other three. Oh, I like that. Right? So just because you had a bad day doesn't mean you need to give up on yourself and you just keep to maybe just start back down at the acceptable minimum again. Yeah. And this is where self-compassion comes in, right? Because yeah. even if we do miss a day, we mess up, we don't meet the goal. We're not throwing everything out. We're not going back to square one. We're just right. sort of like staying stationary until we're ready to move forward again. I think that's the perfectionist mindset that a lot of us get stuck in is that I missed a day. Everything is horrible. Everything is totally back to zero. And, and it's not the case. We just need to offer ourselves compassion, especially with you know, these athletes who are in this time that is so challenging on its own. I, I think, and I'm hoping that people bring in an element of compassion for, yeah, I mean, yeah, you signed up for it, but it's hard mm-hmm. and it's allowed to be hard and that's okay. Yeah. And even on Facebook with some of my, my friends there um, that are, you know, mothers of young kids and they're also trainers and they've got clients and everybody's heading and you know and every once in a while I'll see one of them pose a question so how's everybody doing out there how's how are people handling you know all of this so there's a need for these little you know base found these little foundations for people just to check in and say yeah how is everybody doing and am I doing okay and like you said to have that self-compassion yeah yeah it's it's an important step and it you know it's not something that has come naturally for me, it's something that I had to learn. I think for most of my life, I used criticism as my main motivational tool, thinking that if I could pick out all the mistakes I had made, then I could be perfect. And then if I was perfect and didn't receive any criticism from people, I would be happy. And, and I really had to get out of that way of thinking. And now I found that I can move through emotions a lot easier when anxiety does come up. Um, if I offer myself that grace, that compassion, and really just, you know, in, in a way, like hold myself a little bit and hold space for myself. Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, thought provoking there. That's an important part of our conversation. Uh, okay. okay, so for athletes who don't have a solid self-care foundation, it can feel like anxiety is built into the culture of equestrian sports. What can athletes do when they have to, you know, when they start to have these strong emotions come up, say anxiety or feeling overwhelmed? Um, How do you, what kind of advice do you have for that? I imagine these emotions come up quite often for people in these events. And so the the process that I use myself and that I teach, I call the three L process. So the three L's are listen, lean, and let go. So let's go through them. So when we have strong emotions come up, let's say we're feeling overwhelmed. We want to kind of get quiet and pay attention to what's coming up. So we want to listen. Like what is coming up? Do you feel overwhelmed because you're scared of failing? Do you feel overwhelmed because you're scared of being out there in front of all the people and feeling judged? Um, Because are you overwhelmed because your brain is telling me, is telling you, you know, you took on too much. There's so much going on. Sort of listen, be a little bit mindful and kind of label what's what's coming up so we just want to first listen and then we lean and I think this is where most people miss the mark is that we don't learn how to process strong emotions when we're younger you know we're taught that the uncomfortable emotions are bad like how often do we say to people don't be sad it's okay don't be sad Mm. we're taught that that's 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 a bad emotion right 
And so in this, in this process by leaning, what we're doing is we're, we're kind of telling ourselves we can handle it. We can sit with this strong emotion, even though it's uncomfortable. And even though we might not want it, we can lean into it because the emotions are signposts. They're there to tell us something. They're there to tell us that we're, we're scared. We're having a fear. We're being triggered by something. They're letting us know something. And so what a lot of us do is just we squash it down, right? But when we squash it down, they boomerang back later. Like that ain't going away. It's, it's coming back for you. Yep. So what I do when I feel anxious in order to lean into it. So let's say before I have um, a speaking engagement, so if I'm talking to a, a company or doing like a corporate session, or even before I'm coming on a podcast, I get anxious, right? I get nervous. So what I do is I put my hand on my heart and I say to myself, you know, what you're doing right now is courageous. You're being brave. You're showing up. And that's really hard to do. And it's uncomfortable to put yourself out there. And so it's okay that you feel this way. It's okay that you feel anxious right now. It sucks to feel this way, but it's okay. It's going to pass. So what we're doing when we do that is we're validating what we're feeling. We're telling ourselves it's okay to feel this way. You might not like it. That's totally fine. But the reality of the present moment is that you do feel this way. So we lean into it and then we let it go. And a lot of people think that this is the most complicated step. Well, like, how do I, okay, I understand I'm feeling anxious. I don't like it, but I'm, I'm, I'm here with it. I'm, I'm sitting with it. Uh, how do I let it go? How do I just let it move on through? And so the analogy I like to use is letting go isn't so much something that you have to do. It's just something that you have to stop doing. So let's say right now, make a fist with your hand. So everyone listening, make a fist with your hand if you're able and squeeze, squeeze, squeeze that fist. See how much effort that is to hold the fist? Yes. Yeah. Now just tell yourself, let go and open your hand. The letting go was just stopping effort. You didn't have to do something. You just had to stop doing something. That's what letting go of the emotions is. Mm -hmm. It's giving yourself permission to feel it. And then allowing it to go. And they can leave a lot quicker when we go through those first two steps and, and then actually give them permission to go. Now, we might be over and over saying, let go, let go, let go. It might be a process over and over. But what we're trying to get to is to avoid that place where we keep shoving it down and then it bubbles over. And then we have a panic attack. We have a breakdown. We have that point where we get like so overwhelmed that we, our nervous system is so fired up. We can't do anything. We're trying to instead just circumvent that by sitting with it a little bit more and trusting that we can handle it. We can get through it. Wow. Yes. And I would agree that a lot of people listening to this might be go, oh, well, letting it go isn't that easy. How can I just let it go if it's something that's been haunting me for years or whatever, right? But that's mm -hmm. the that's that's the process of just being aware of the thoughts, where, like you said, where they're coming from, what they're trying to tell you, and then just understanding that mm -hmm. they really don't hold that power over you. Yes, a lot of us feel like emotions are permanent. Like when I feel sad, I'm going to feel sad forever. Mm -hmm. When I feel anxious, it feels like it's always going to be this way. It's helpful to remember that emotions come and go. And just like, you know, a lot of us believe like every thought we think, and I like to say thoughts are not facts. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's the same with our emotions are trying to tell us something, but we get to choose how long, you know, we're going to sit with, sit in them. And, and if we can just, 
allow, sort of drop the story behind it too. Like we get caught up in this, you know, I'm feeling this way because of this and because this is linking to my past thing and this is what happened before and this is what will happen in the future. And we're like predicting things that haven't even happened yet may not ever happen. We're really not in the present moment. So the lean part of this is really about listening to like, where do you feel this emotion in your body? What is coming up for you there? If we can kind of like sit with that, then we're really sticking into just like what is happening in the body in the present moment instead of all the stories that come attached to it. If that makes exactly. sense. Yeah. What there was a life-changing book I read like 20 years ago uh, by Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul. Such a good book. Oh uh, yes. And then there's, I don't know, maybe in the last year or two, um, the Living Untethered book came out. And I just finished reading that one like last week. Brilliant brilliant book and it touches on a lot of what we just talked about now so yes if anybody's out there that think that they know oh, maybe they could benefit from that sort of learning and read a little bit so yeah Michael Singer's Untethered Soul and Living Untethered those are really really good books to help with this exact thing so yeah okay awesome so let's get into the meditation part of it that process that you just talked about seems rooted in meditation. So let's talk about that. How would you define it? And how do you think it applies to our audience? So meditation, you know, is, is pretty broad. The type of meditation that I am trained in the, and that I practice is mindfulness meditation. And all that really means, the definition I use is that it's doing what you're doing when you're doing it. It's doing what you're doing when you're doing it. And that means being fully present and aware. And so that can be in so many areas of our life. That can be when you're out for a walk and you're hearing the sound of the birds, you're smelling the new flowers that are coming up and, and blooming, right? We're tapping into like our senses of the present moment. And we might think, okay, well, you know, that's pretty obvious, Heather, I get that. But if you think about it, like how often are we truly present in what we're doing, right? Maybe for the first few seconds, we step outside for that walk, we're engaging with the senses. And then we're like, oh, the to-do list is long. I got to think about the laundry I got to do. I'm packing up for that show coming up this weekend. And, it, you know, we just go a million miles a minute. And we don't end up being present. So mindfulness is really about coming into the present moment and being in the here and the now. And I can imagine that you know, being involved in, in the horse world that you've probably had that experience riding a horse that that turns into like a bit of a meditative process. Yeah, absolutely. So it was my brother, Rob, who when I would, was so when I was motorcycle riding, um, he's like, well, yeah, that would be a really cool form of, you know, active meditation. Because I think when people, some people that don't meditate, or when they hear the word meditation, they automatically think that they need to be sitting cross-legged on a bolster and, you know, oming and all of this kind of stuff, which I think is turning a lot of people off. So to understand that meditation can be anything that feels good and mindful to you, right? So when Rob described, he's like, yeah, like you need to be mindful and in the moment when you're riding a motorcycle, you need to be mindful and in the moment you, I would say, it's the better place to be when you're on the back of a 1200 pound animal that has a mind of its own. So let's be really in the moment. And I think the part that's really kind of cool is that the horse's gates could really contribute to that rhythm 
of being mindful, right? So in a nice balanced trot, you know, it, it, it could, you could link breath with that, which I think would be really cool. Or the three beats of a canter, you know, like instead of worrying or focusing on getting that inside bend and the engagement of the left hind, you know, instead just take a moment and be one with the horse and just be present. Thoughts? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's really what it is, right? It's building up the capacity to be more present so that we can do that in any activity of the day. So when you're on the horse, you're practicing it. When you're off the horse, you're practicing it. When you're washing dishes, that's a time to be present and practice because the antidote to anxiety, which is future worry, is being present. It's being in the here and the now because in the here and the now, there is no no stress, no spiral about all the worst case scenarios. There's just, I'm right here with breath, with, you know, the table that I can feel with the sounds that I can hear. And, you know, with meditation, we're really trying to stick away from labeling things as good or bad. You might hear sounds that you don't like, but what we can do is sort of practice that, uh, practice having them go through and pass over so that it extends to when we have thoughts that we don't like we can practice having them pass through and go over when we have intense emotions, then we're not as gripped by them. And, and this is really what meditation teaches us is to um, expand those types of lessons. Cool. I'm loving this conversation. The other thing that I've talked to some of my clients, <laughs> my clients about who are just like, man, do we have to use the word meditation? It just seems overused. So I've kind of told them, okay, at, at the end of a day or at the end of a ride, Go sit somewhere quiet and just have a five minute sit is what I call it. Just sit for five minutes and just let your brain process or sort of rewrite or do something that just lets you go through what you've just been doing or release whatever's gone on in your day. And that in itself, I think is a really cool, just first step it, that would, that for me is a baby step. Yeah, absolutely. To just be right. And a lot of people think that with meditation, there's this misconception out there that you're going to clear your mind and empty your mind of thoughts. And I think that turns a lot of people off with it, too, is because they think, especially with the crew who are overachievers and, and anxiety is like, well, my mind could never be empty. Like I have a million thoughts every minute. But what we're trying to do is not clear our mind. It's not empty our, our thoughts. We're trying to relate to them in a different way so that we don't get as stressed out by them. And what we're trying to do by, you know, building up this habit of, let's say you have a five minute sit every time you come off the horse, what you're building is not only the capacity to be more present, but the capacity to show up for yourself in a consistent way. You're building in this time of self-care and you're telling yourself, I deserve this. I get this time for me. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So do you have any simple techniques we can try out and can you tell us why they're effective? Absolutely. I'm here to share some concrete things that people can do. So let me introduce a mindfulness technique that is very foundational. I teach it to almost in almost all my programs and it's called the boxed breathing technique. Sometimes it's also called square breath. It's a technique that is done by Navy SEALs, which have way more stressful jobs than I have personally. <laughs> and it works because 
it activates the parasympathetic nervous system. So when we're in anxiety mode, when we're stressed out, we're in our flight or fight uh, or freeze nervous system. That's our sympathetic. What we're trying to get to is our parasympathetic, our rest and digest, the side that feels really good. And I also call it our growth side of our nervous system. So if you want to learn things, if you want to perform better and be more productive, more focused, you got to hang out in your parasympathetic more often. And when we practice this box breathing that I'm going to show you in a second, it activates our parasympathetic nervous system and specifically a big nerve that's involved in that called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve has a lot of buzz around it right now. We know that it's one of the biggest nerves in the body and that it helps calm us down. It's heavily tied to that parasympathetic. So when we do this box breathing, we're going to inhale for a count of four. We'll hold the breath on full. So we've just inhaled. We're going to hold the breath for four. And then we're going to exhale out the breath for a count of four. And then on empty, we've just exhaled. We're going to hold the breath for four. So it's sort of like tracing four equal sides of a box. They can do it in through the nose, out through the mouth is typically how I teach it, because also when we breathe that way, it helps go into our parasympathetic side, uh, but really whatever is comfortable for people. So I thought let's do a round together and our listeners as well. Okay. If they're in a place to do so, if they're not driving, they can <laughs> practice with us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if it feels good, you can close your eyes as well and start by exhaling out all of the air that you have inside. And then taking an inhale for two, three, four, Hold the breath, two, three, four. Exhale it out, two, three, four. And hold it there for two, three, four. There we go. So that's one time around the box. I typically teach what I call the four by four technique, which is where you're doing four rounds around the box. And just doing four rounds of that can switch over your nervous system. So this could be a fantastic technique before you get on the horse. It could also be something that you're doing to debrief after because I imagine getting off, we're gonna be pretty jacked up. And so that can, can help sort of um, bring you down. Okay, awesome. Um, the vagus nerve, um, the, the cold showers, that kind of thing that can be really beneficial to the body. Correct. So, yeah. Um, you know, so I'm thinking at the end of a long day when you're tired or your body's sore, you can like even do like a warm shower, then ending with cold, it can flush out the body and like, even just standing there with the cold water hitting your forehead and your chest is it can really help bring that down. I've also heard, I have yet to try, but it sounds interesting, a cold bowl of water and sticking your face just in the, in the water, in the bowl. Have you heard of that one? Yes. Yeah. That's this is fun. true. I actually made <laughs> a, a gif one time for social media of a bowl of water and um, <laughs> going down and up. So it does work for anxiety. The reason being is that when we feel anxious, it can be helpful to ground and to come into the present moment. Something that's so strong, like a bowl of ice water, that pulls us into uh, the present moment. Something else that works really well is 
sucking on a sour fruit or a sour candy. That can be helpful if someone's going more towards that like panic mode, helps you come into the present. Hmm. Okay. Um, you've also mentioned something about lavender oil. So with, yes, with um, lavender oil, I like to do like a little ritual with it, but lavender studies have shown that it can produce anti-anxiety effects similar to taking something like a benzodiazepine. So like a Valium or a Xanax, which I'm not hating on medication. It's fine to take, but they are known to be addictive and can lead to death as well. So if we want to go the more natural route, something like lavender, and I even have it with me here at my desk. I use it before every live event or any presentation or anything that I have. This could be something that you're creating a little ritual with for yourself. So before you go ride, I personally put a couple drops in my hands, rub them together, and then inhale and smell. And we don't fully know everything about how it works. We do know that it affects the olfactory receptors and then that in the brain helps us feel calm. So it's not acting on the neurotransmitter uh, receptors, specifically our GABA receptors, but it's more working through our sense of smell, which is so interesting. I think that smelling something can make us feel calmer. Like how simple is that? So traveling with some lavender, you could even put a couple drops on your pillow, have it that way. You can find lavender in tea as well. So you can use that as a calming agent. Um, and it's not just lavender. We have scents like um, bergamot orange, ylang-ylang, rose, lemongrass. These have all been shown to help people feel calmer and reduce stress. Nice. I love lemongrass. That's one of my favorites too. Okay. Oh, it's such a, such a calming one. Yeah, and definitely. It's fresh. It feels it's calming. And yet I find it very fresh, which almost, I don't know, inspires me. But anyway, all right. Last question. Yeah. As a coach, I'm always happy when I hear a client say they, they did something to push themselves out of their comfort zone and do something they've never done before. I know you and your husband just came back from a year of traveling in South and Central America. How was that experience and how did you find going on that adventure challenged you? Definitely out of my comfort zone. So to go on this trip, I left behind most of my business that I had just spent the last five years building. And I, I really felt like I needed a break. Like I needed to take a step back and sort of reevaluate my priorities and how I was spending my energy. And I was getting to the point where even though I was helping people with anxiety and burnout, I was really starting to feel like I was getting into that territory. So I needed to, I needed a change. I needed to get out of my comfort zone. And many of the activities that we did on our trip were getting out of comfort zone. So going whitewater rafting, we did several multi-day treks um, and hikes through the mountains and a lot of them at high altitude, which I found out I am not a high altitude Heather. It I felt like <laughs> nauseous a lot of the time and wow. and sick and it it really didn't uh, agree with me. But I remember it was the first big hike we did on the trip, and it was a volcano called Acatenango, and it was in Guatemala. And you hike up this volcano, and you see this neighboring volcano erupt. And so lava should be coming out of this neighboring volcano. And the hike up is grueling. It was over five hours of walking straight up. And when we got to the top, finally, we were rewarded with clouds, nothing but clouds. 
we could not see a single thing all night and you stay on, uh, you sleep on the volcano all night. You could hear it erupting, erupting, and you couldn't see anything. So I was so, I was so disappointed, but luckily we ended our trip wanting to come full circle. So we said, we're going to go back and we're going to do that hike again and doing it again. It was just as hard as I remember but I used this mantra that I had learned on the trip. And the mantra was poco a poco. And that's Spanish and it translates to little by little. And so while walking, I would say to myself, poco a poco, poco a poco with every step. And it reminded me that it's one step at a time. I just got to slow down. I got to go my own pace and I'm going to make it there. And luckily this time we did it the second time we were rewarded with views of all the lava, like being within a couple hundred meters of the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. This volcano is just erupting every like 10, 15 minutes. So um, absolutely worth getting out of my comfort zone and persevering to get it done. Wow. So that little poco a poco, little by little, I've heard this phrase that little by little, a little becomes a lot. So just those, like you said, those little baby steps, you know, you know, if, if you feel like you're having to push yourself out of the comfort zone, just understand, yeah, maybe everybody can adopt that little mantra because it's kind of cute. And, you know, it's easy to say on a horse's back. <laughs> poco a poco. <laughs> yeah, just matching it with the rhythm, right, of the step. Yeah, yeah I like the second half of that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely. Yeah. Oh, wow. So congratulations on that huge trip. I know that I was following you guys on, uh, on social media and, (laughs) and stuff. So it was just so nice. It was inspiring. Like I said, in your, your little tidbits of advice with dealing, like you said, you know, you teach it, you help people with it, but you still deal with it yourself. And I think that's what maybe a general message from this conversation is, is we're all working. We're all a work in progress. We're all learning to learn about ourselves and how to deal with these things. And you've been such a really cool example of that, watching your journey. So yeah, I'm I'm very grateful to have you on here. Your information has been really helpful. I think it's... Um, body mind kind of approach. And I know that there's going to be a lot of benefits for listeners out of this one. So where can people find you and if they want to reach out to you? Well, thank you so much for having me on. I think it's a, you know, a wonderful topic that we're diving into and so needed as, as we're coming into show season for folks. Um, my hope is that people, because we are talking about, you know, small things, my hope is that people pick one thing from today's podcast and they start to put it into practice. So you don't need to do all the things, take whatever resonated with you. And one thing you're going to start with and actually hit the ground with it, um, you know, get it going. And people can find me at my website. It's heatherlilico.com. It's L-I-L-L-I-C-O. You can also hang out with me on social media, on Instagram. I'm at heather underscore lil, L-I-L. Where just like you said, uh, said, I always share anxiety tips and tricks and uh, help for us fellow perfectionists. Awesome. Well, thank you, my friend. I think this has been awesome. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing all that you know. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. 
I have some great interviews lined up for future episodes, and we'll be covering some pretty interesting topics, as always, with the intent to open and engage the horse world on a wide variety of issues. So until next time, keep your eyes forward and continue to hit your stride. To stay current with Hitting Your Stride, subscribe on my website or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here today, make sure you share and leave a comment to help guide future episodes and widen the audience. And be sure to check out social media to keep up to date with Equestrian Elements Life Coaching.